Hello again, Commodore fans. My name is Billy Derrick. You are listening to episode 27 here of The Door Report. Happy Friday. It is May 22nd, and we are, as always, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day, and you can get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com, or you can email the CEO, Jimmy Alaco, my good buddy, at jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, Tennessee, so nice and easy for all the locals. You can also call them at 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring, perfect floors, whatever your style. Well, today, it is a very special episode. I feel like I say that every episode, but they just keep getting better and better. My good friend and new partner in crime, Will Byram, is now on the pod. He is official here from, you know, from here on out. Will, how, how about it, man? This is this is a big day for the Doorport, and and I'm glad you know you're you're with us here for the ride. Yeah, I'm I'm extremely excited to be a part of this podcast and and the side as well. Uh, I think the future is really bright for the Door Report, and I'm I'm looking forward to continuing to grow and and reaching our goal of being the number one source for Vanderbilt athletic news. Yeah, we we got a lot of stuff behind the scenes cooked up, not only between Will and I here with the pod, but you know we're hiring. I wouldn't say hiring yet, Will, but you know we're on the road to that to bringing mm-hmm. in more people. You know, just about every week or so. So again, the future is bright. Uh, this is episode 27. As always, we are presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Rhett Wiseman will check in with the podcast a little bit later. He is, um, you know, I think Will and I can both agree, one of our favorite, you know, Vanderbilt baseball players over the years, just oh, with, yeah. with his energy and his grit. So uh, we had an awesome conversation with Rhett that we'll get into uh, here a little bit later. But before we get to our breaking news... Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's at door underscore report. Doing great things there with all the bloggers and as well as posting the podcast. They're also getting sponsorship information out there. Hit us up on Instagram. That's door.report. Like us on our Facebook page. You know, got to get that up and running. Also, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. That is The Door Report. And Will, our podcast is now available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So we're, we're, we're moving on up the charts. Um, you know, hopefully, again, send us a review, give us those five stars, and we will provide the best Vanderbilt content for you. I mentioned the sponsors, Will. You've been a huge help with this, um, you know, all throughout, you know, these this past week or so. We're currently looking to partner with sponsors, um, you know, in, in any platform, you know, really across all platform, if you have any interest, don't hesitate to, to let let us know. You can email myself, BillyDerek10 uh, at gmail.com, or uh, if you would like to send an email to doorreport at gmail.com. Again, that is doorreport at gmail.com. Well, it's time to hop into the breaking news. You got a few words about the Recycling Dudes. Yeah. Uh, so as presented by the Recycling Dudes, you may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they are brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter. Living in West Mead, the Recycling Dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every need and every budget, starting as low as $10 a month. All you need to do is sign up on their website at recyclingdudes.com. All right, let's hop right into it, Will. Candace Lee, she is the new athletic director. She 
Um, obviously, we knew after Malcolm Turner's resignation, she was the interim, uh, but that title has been lifted, and she is now the athletic director at Vanderbilt. Well, in my mind, this was a no-brainer. Um, you know, she had been associated, or she has been associated with Vanderbilt Athletics in Nashville for the past 15 years, and she has literally seen it all. You know, she what she's done has been really tremendous. Uh, she's changing the landscape of college athletics, not only in the SEC, but across the country. Well, how about this? She's the first African-American female athletic director in SEC history. I mean, that's that's something special because of, the, you know, there's only five female athletic directors in the country. And, you know, with, with her experience at Vanderbilt, she played on the basketball team, graduated in, in 2000, uh, I think it was. So, Again, she's been through a lot already. <laughs> I mean, she's she's been through a resignation. She was the interim, and now she's she's being named AD in the middle of a global pandemic. So you know, she's been through it all. I think she has enough experience. I I've seen Vanderbilt fans that didn't like the decision. You know, whether it's on Twitter or you know just my experience of dealing with Vanderbilt fans. There's a lot of different type of Vanderbilt fans, but. I think every I haven't seen anyone who is is pretty heavy in the Vanderbilt eye that didn't like this decision. You know. Yeah, yeah. The the only concern that I had was you know you you had David Williams who is incredible. Um, he he made a great impact on all the student students uh, lives that were there. But I'm going to be giving Candace Lee the benefit of the doubt at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything really so far that was incredibly good or yeah. incredibly bad. Uh, we all know that the Vandy AD uh, has really been hamstrung in the past yeah. due to the administration outside of their control, and that's what possibly led to Malcolm Turner's dismissal. We'll never really know exactly what was going on, whether it was the office remodel, the quote-unquote slush fund that we heard about that really led led to that. Uh, the good with Candace Lee so far, uh, I liked hearing about the locker room upgrades. Though mm-hmm. that, that was a necessity. That, that needed to happen. I think that's a really good first step in making up some ground that we've really lost uh, to other SEC programs in the past. Uh, some some notes, since I did say the good, the bad, I was not extremely impressed with the strategic plan that we've been hearing about, oh, no, no. Uh, which was partially with Malcolm Turner, but she was a part of. Uh, you know, there were no real dates, plans, actions, yeah. anything of that nature. Uh, it was it was more of a plan to form a real strategic plan yeah. than an actual strategic plan. So. That's especially frustrating, you know, when you see Vanderbilt release, I believe it was in 2018, 2019, about yes. the build, they're releasing the plans for the four new residential halls when they had legitimate benchmarks, funding, mm-hmm. dates, four new halls in five years. And you see plans other schools release. So like LSU uh, released one at the beginning of 2019. And when you look at that one, and you can view that on their athletics website in comparison to ours, Ours was underwhelming to put yeah. it to put it in nice terms. So <laughs> to put it I, lightly, I'm not saying, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Billy. Yeah, I was just gonna say to put it lightly. Like that, it's just you look at. Obviously, we're in the SEC, but um, you know, for for Candace Lee to come up with a fake plan like that is obviously she had some. You know, it was just it, there was nothing substantial, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if if it hadn't had all the hype behind it for so long. Like we've been hearing, you know, it was constant just rumors, reports, this strategic plan or wait for the strategic plan. And then you see it released and it was just black. It was just more mm-hmm. talking points, not really anything substantial outside of the football locker room, which is a good first step. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I ever expect Vanderbilt to be on par 
uh, with the caliber of facilities with LSU, Alabama, Florida, uh, programs like that. But I just want to see steps of at least upgrading the facilities for when recruits come in. It's not a re- the facilities aren't a red flag. They're yeah. not something that prevents you from committing to Vanderbilt, as opposed to other schools can use them as a selling point to why you should commit. I just don't want it to be a, a barrier to a recruit coming in. Yeah, and and that's that's the goal, obviously, of Vanderbilt. It's just been so hard. Um, and for Lee, she, you know, obviously also will go by the long title of vice chancellor for athletics and university mm-hmm. affairs. And at Vanderbilt, that's just different. <laughs> like the, the AD role is just different at Vanderbilt. And, you know, like I said, overall, I think Vanderbilt athletics is going to be in a better spot than they were under Michael, Malcolm Turner. And that, that's, that's not, that's not very hard, but yeah. you know, that's going in the right direction. Coach and, and just a quick note on that as well, uh, something that's a little bit different with Vanderbilt being the only private university mm-hmm. is these other schools are required to release their budgets, where the money's going, because yep. they are public universities, public information. So Vanderbilt is a little bit different, and, and we don't even really know the Derek Mason contract uh, situation oh, no. to the full extent. So there's just a lot more going on with Vanderbilt as far as where those funds are going that, that us as fans on the outside – but we're, we're never really going to know. Yeah, and I think a lot of SEC fans, I got a lot of Tennessee fans, and you know they kind of looked at this and like, oh, what's new? Vanderbilt has a woman as an athletic director. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just find that so disrespectful because she's done so much and you know at Vanderbilt in her during her time there she's earned it you know coach Stackhouse is 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 on her boat with her he started the uh, the bet on women hashtag on Twitter uh, we used it in one of our tweets Vanderbilt is changing the game of college athletics with this move and and I'm here for it you know I know you are too obviously we're 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 both not um you know we're not kind of fully on board but we are we are on you know we're by your side we're not bashing this but again overall Vanderbilt Athletics is better, and I thought this was a really cool, Will, before we get to our next piece of news, because we do have to move on, uh, but Vanderbilt's associate AD for uh, communications, Alan George, tweeted this out. I'm sure a ton of Vandy fans saw it, but he said, Vanderbilt is the only Power 5 program and one of two FBS programs with an African-American AD, football head coach, and men's basketball head coach. Mm-hmm. So, th- I mean, that in itself is, that's something special, you know, so it's changing the landscape and, um, you know, I think it's really special. So, again, Candace Lee is, is now the AD at Vanderbilt. So, um, you know, bright, bright future for her and Vanderbilt Athletics. How about this, though, Will? James Franklin, I want to move on. He commented three times on our tweet. It, was a, it, was a, it wasn't a rain between. It was a, it was a special game. Um, it was the Georgia game when, um, you know, J- was that the Georgia? Yeah, it was the Georgia game when, uh, you know, he, he called the, the fake, uh, fake field goal from, from Kerry Spear. He had some interesting things to say. I'm going to run through these and get your take on it, Will. Uh, he had a pretty, he had a couple sentences in a big tweet. He said, I feel the same way about Vanderbilt. Uh, the Vandy, the players and the fans will always hold a special place in my heart. Forever grateful for the opportunity and support that we were given. Stay safe and healthy and give everyone my best. He also said this on Candace Lee, uh, the new hire. Pretty simple. He said, absolutely love her. She is the best. Well, that's that's pretty I, – I lost a lot of respect for him after a lot of the things he said and what went down with the rape scandal at Vanderbilt. But it, he kind of helped that out. You know, do you, he, helps, he helped it a lot for me because, you know, I, he had never really come out – after being hired at Penn State about Vanderbilt, you know? I mean, I he might have said it in some interviews, but this is one of the main times I have seen him come out publicly about Vanderbilt. 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of the animosity from Vanderbilt fans towards James Franklin uh, doesn't stem from him leaving the program. No. Uh, and, and putting that rape scandal aside, which was a blackout on the university, I think of a lot of what he said leading up to him leaving is, mm-hmm. is really why Vanderbilt fans, we have that animosity as a group towards him. He did some great things, took Vanderbilt to, to some places that it hasn't been since, you know, in 90 years. So it, it's kind of shifting, but just some of the quotes, and, and there are plenty outside of this but that I'm referring to are quotes from players like Adam Butler. He was interviewed by the Tennessee and mm-hmm. about Franklin leaving, uh, and he was quoted, I'll read his quote, he said, he repeatedly told us, I'm not leaving, no matter what. You guys don't have to worry. He even uh, took it so far, breaking down into tears like he always does. He repeatedly told us, I'm not leaving, no matter what. Mm. So that that's just something that I think Vanderbilt fans took to heart. Yeah. And really were like, this guy's in it for the long haul. And, th- and there are more examples, pregame interviews, and that's just something from a player. So I think that's where a lot of that... I won't go as far to call it hatred, but animosity is probably yeah. the best word stems from is what he said because you can't really blame him. Penn State, uh, that that's where he around where he grew up, I believe that yeah. that was his dream job. Yeah. So if he would have never made those quotes and statements to players, the media, I, I don't think that we would have this attitude towards James Franklin. We'd more look at him as as a guy that came here, changed the culture, brought us to places we had never been, and and then moved on. So. That's that's kind of where I am with it. Yeah, and we we can't blame him for leaving Vanderbilt, like you said. I mean, Penn State, his dream job came calling. Mm-hmm. He he just so happened to exit following you know easily one of the worst rape scandals in in NCAA history. It's something mm-hmm. that you just don't want associated with your program. And uh, you know, as a coach, James Franklin obviously did a ton of great things, like you said. Like he is he's the one that I, I wouldn't even say resurrected Vanderbilt football. They they were never really alive. Um, <laughs> they like. You know, he just brought them to new heights they'd never been to. Coach Mason has tried to bring it back to what James Franklin had. You know, he had a couple bowl games, but they haven't been gotten back to that. So, again, Franklin provided us with so many great memories. Um, and for him to say, you know, some of the things you mentioned, Will, but now for him to come out in a public sphere like Twitter during a pandemic and say these things, I've gained a newfound respect is what I'd say. I'm not all, I'm not back all in on him. You know, I'm not like, I love James Franklin. Um, I'm sure Coach Corbin loves him. And, you know, I respect him for who he is as, as, as a man, uh, you know, a little bit more now, you know, if, if that makes sense. So, um, again, Coach Franklin, he's a guy that is very polarizing, not just with Vanderbilt. I'm sure a lot of Penn State fans have um, strong opinions on him as well. But, um, again, we will we'll continue to kind of monitor that. Maybe we'll, we could get James Franklin on the podcast. That'd be um, that would be a big yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, maybe we should we should reach out to him because he would have some really interesting things to say mm-hmm. um, about you know not only the football program but which with Coach Corbs his 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 relationship with him is so special. So uh, again, Franklin r- really really making his presence felt on our Twitter uh, within the past couple days. We're gonna roll on here, Will, with uh, some news and not really news, but uh, some. Some some transfer radar reports for, for Coach Stackhouse. Uh, Utah's both Gotch. I'm not quite sure how to uh, pronounce that, but he, he, he has been reported uh, to have been contacted by the Vanderbilt staff, according to David Sisk. 
of Rivals.com. As a sophomore, he averaged nearly 11 points and four rebounds last season. So he's a guy who's a shooter. He's lengthy. He's 6'6", you know, about 185. You know, he's a guy Vanderbilt could use. We have no idea where, you know, his relationship with Coach Stackhouse is right now. But Will, this is a, you know, this kind of a intriguing question. Where does Stack go with his next uh, scholarship <laughs> spot? You know. Yeah. So, like you said, I'm I'm gonna butcher the name too. Both both <laughs> Gat Gatch. Um, I guess it's Gotch. Yeah, Gotch. We're gonna go with that, and we'll probably get corrected later. So, but he's a he is a really intriguing prospect. Uh, like you mentioned, long, lanky. Uh, he did dramatically improve in his stats. I believe he went from shooting like 36% to, to mm-hmm. nearly 50%, around 47 48% as a sophomore. Good size. Um, we, that's especially important because we are losing Saban Lee and Neesmith, who's mm-hmm. kind of that similar size to him, uh, leading them to the NBA draft. So, However, with that last uh, scholarship, I was really hoping we, we could look into bringing more size at the mm-hmm. power forward center positions. I, I won't begin talking about Romello White again. We covered that last week on the podcast. <laughs> Not again. Bring up some more old wounds. Uh, but with Matthew Moyer transferring to George Washington, uh, Otan mm-hmm. Jankovic transferring to Tulane, uh, we're, we are a little thin in that area. I mean, we have Cleavon coming back, thankfully, with that medical redshirt. Disu, hopefully, able to put on some more weight in the offseason and just continue to improve. And then Obina who is definitely the only true center that we have on the roster mm-hmm. currently. Uh, and, you know, we have DJ Harvey transfer from Notre Dame coming in as, as eligible. Uh, Miles Stute, Tyron Lawrence coming in as mm-hmm. a freshman. The, the only post that Stackhouse has really been able to bring in in this 2020 class or as a transfer is Akeem Odesipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm probably butchering that pronunciation as well. I think you're Vanderbilt. good there. Yeah, can Vanderbilt kind of get some guys with some easier names to pronounce, but <laughs> he's a, he's a three-star center from Knoxville. Uh-huh. So he's not exactly coming in as 5'4", so he's probably going to be a guy that needs more development. Yeah, he's a project. Yeah, so we're kind of thin in that area, and it, and it concerns me with you know the history of Vanderbilt in the past couple mm-hmm. years with, with injury situation. You know, and Cleavon going down last year, you know, one injury to Obina to Sewer Brown, and, and then we're really down to having to run four guards, uh, four guard system, and just having one true post on the floor and really running into some rebounding issues, rim protection issues. No, no love, Will, for uh, the walk on Braley Albert? No, he's, he's uh, there, there's love there for him. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm he kidding. Into your role, but he, he's not exactly a. Uh, yeah. He's not six ten center yeah. going to be pulling too many boards. So no, he did a great job as a walk in stepping on stepping into the role. Yeah, I was I was pulling your your strings there, but <laughs> I mean, I I really hope Stackhouse doesn't give it to him. With all due respect, you know he he started a few games last season, but. I personally wouldn't go that route because it just doesn't seem like the best bang for your buck type of deal, you know. Like he he mm-hmm. he had some time, you know. We'll give it to him, but that was where Stackhouse was in the in the season. He lost his two best players, arguably mm-hmm. Cleavon and Aaron, and you know you're gonna you're forced to go with a walk on in your starting lineup, and that's that's probably not where Stackhouse will go. Again, with all due respect, I hope he doesn't. Uh, but again, will I'm with you. I think. Stackhouse is smart. He knows what he needs for his roster. Uh, that's why, you know, Romello White would have been so big, but we'll not go further there. The grad transfer route, though, has been, it's just, it's just hard. You know, it's just increasingly difficult because most of the athletes aren't willing to accept Vanderbilt's grad program responsibilities. Exactly. It's, they just, they don't want to do it, you know, because they've already been through a lot of the classes that, that they, you know, don't want to take, and now they have to take more of those at Vanderbilt. 
that should probably change if, if Vanderbilt wants to compete in the SEC. And that's something that, that Candace Lee will, will have to address because if she wants to compete, which I know she does, um, you know, she's going to have to look into that. But um, a, another route, though, Will, which I think is interesting that Stack could go in is kind of a diamond in the rough type of recruit. Um, a late bloomer type of guy. He he did that last year with Jordan Wright, who who played big minutes last season. Um, so you know maybe again, there's a lot of options. We're, we don't pretend to know where Stack will go, uh, but you know they have depth at just about every position now with a lot of the transfers and the incoming freshmen. But you can never have enough front court depth, you know, just in case someone gets injured. So um, you know because Cleavon could get banged up again. Melora Brown, if he goes down. We'll need depth there. So my take is power forward. Are you leaning there too, Will? Yeah, that, that's that's where I'm hoping yeah. we can find someone. You know, it is a little late in the process. Uh-huh. So a lot of these guys either have already have a good idea of where they're going or have already committed. So we're, we're gonna it's going to have to be either a diamond in the rough type prospect or it's going to have to be one of these late grad transfers where, we, where he shifts that he might be reaching that may have been mm-hmm. looking at more of a mid-major type program and, and Stackhouse brings him in to just bring some added depth to that front court. We will see where Stackhouse decides to go with this last scholarship option. Again, it's going to be interesting to see. I can't, you know, Will and I both, we can't wait for basketball to get going. Mm-hmm. We can't wait for any sport to get going, especially we wish we could have had a baseball season. But we will talk Vanderbilt baseball with Rhett Wiseman coming up. We recorded it. You know, about an hour ago, Will, it was something special. Yeah, uh, he, he brings some great insight into Corbin. Uh, yep. Tim Corbin speaking about that program and, and everything and all the great things he's doing. And, and we talked about it on the podcast and we talked about it after. But, man, I, th- I think Wiseman has a chance at being a, a hell of a recruiter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, later, later he, had, he has me sold on I, I want to commit and, and suit up for the Commodores. So <laughs> yeah. he could definitely he could definitely sell that program. Yeah, I know my little brothers do. So they, you know, the, they, they would probably love to meet him. But, again, stay tuned for Rhett Wiseman. He is coming right up as we roll on here with episode number 27.